Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MyFit Podcast, hosted by fitness coach, business owner, and CrossFit Games athlete, DJ Hillier. Physical fitness and podcasting are two of his life passions, and his goal is to train, educate, and inspire those who want to improve their general health. These podcasts are designed to help everyone, from the occasional gym member trying to improve their overall wellness, to the fitness enthusiast. The episodes capture a wide spectrum of topics, including training, coaching, nutrition, entrepreneurship, relationships, and mindset. Follow the show on Instagram at The MyFit Podcast and subscribe to his newsletter at djhillier.com. So let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome back to another edition of the MyFit Podcast fueled by Ascent Protein. For those of you guys who have been consistent listeners, you know that last week we hit the one-year anniversary for the MyFit Podcast and it was a fun episode to look back at some of my most memorable conversations I've had over the last year with people recording on the MyFit podcast. And I put out a challenge to you guys. Uh, if you wanted some free uh, Ascent Protein products from the great sponsor of the show, you had to go over and follow Ascent Protein on Instagram and then leave a review and rating on, the, on your preferred podcast platform. And I want to pick the winner today and read the review. So the winner today is Lumpy109, L-U-M-P-Y-109. And if you uh, get this, make sure to send me a message, uh, an email at dj at mi5fitness. Give me your contact information, and I'd love to send out some free gear your way. Uh, the review is awesome. made me feel really good, and it said... I listen to a lot of podcasts and the MyFit podcast never disappoints. DJ has a unique interview style that sticks out in a crowded market. He takes the time to research not only his guests' backgrounds and passion, but he incorporates his years of experience as a CrossFit athlete and coach into the questions. His ability to ask his guests knowledgeable questions and then sit back and listen is second to none. Thank you so much, Lumpy109, for your kind words. That really means a lot. And uh, again, send me an email over at dj at mi5fitness, and I'll send you some free protein and a shaker cup. Um, today on the show, I have Brian McKenzie. And Brian is a breathing and endurance guru. Uh, Brian is an expert in the, in the development and application of custom protocols to optimize human health and performance. His work harnesses and integrates respiratory movement, strength, and endurance-based training approaches to elicit unprecedented positive results. His protocols have been used to accelerate and raise both mental and physical performance in world-class Olympic and professional athletes, top executives, and operators, as well as to improve the health for people suffering from various chronic illnesses. Every day, people have used Brian's tools to help reduce pathological stress and to vastly heighten their mental and physical well-being and performance. And as you guys know, the breath world is becoming much more popular, popularized now. And Brian has uh, kind of pioneered the avenue of breath work in sports performance. And he's kind of the, the leader in some of this stuff. And I was really excited to have him on the show because I think a lot of the times we kind of get into breath work and it can be really confusing and we're not really sure who to follow. And I think there's nobody better to talk about breath work when it comes to sports performance than Brian McKenzie. And the first thing we talked about is what is breath work? What are some of the terms? What are some of the things that we need to understand uh, before we uh, kind of move further into the topic? And then we talked about nasal breathing and nasal breathing is something that's very popular now. Uh, people talking about, you know, shutting your mouth uh, when you sleep, taping your mouth, always nasal breathing. And we, we kind of talked about the ins and the outs, when it's appropriate, when it's not, what are some of the health benefits? 
from going through nasal breathing. Um, and then we went into talking about why heart rate training isn't the end all be all. And Brian, um, uh, for those of you guys that don't know, is very passionate about using your body and some of the um, the tools and the feedback that you can get just from your body and not being so obsessed with using technology to base your performance. Um, and then we talked about basic practices to improve your CO2 tolerance. This was mind blowing to me because I did his CO2 tolerance test, which is basically timing your exhale. And it was, um, an I have to admit it was embarrassing that my number was so low and I considered myself to be, you know, a fitness enthusiast, somebody that works out very often. And it was very humbling to see what some of those numbers are. And I'm looking forward to working on some of this programming to help improve that side of my fitness. Um, and then later we just talked about the principle of shut your mouth and breathe. And it's quite simple. And it goes back to some of the nasal breathing that we talked about earlier. But Brian does just a, such an awesome job at giving you guys some practical tools, some things to follow um, in your daily lives to become better breathers, become more aerobic, and just become more fit in whatever endeavor that you choose. Uh, Brian's team over at Power Speed Endurance have been also been gracious enough to offer a free one-month subscription to the PSE Breathing Program. So if you guys are interested, you liked what you heard, you want to get some a free one-month subscription to Power Speed Endurance, head over to his website, powerspeedendurance.com, and then use code, code M-I-F-I-T-P-S-E. So code M-I-F-I-T-P-S-E to get a free one month subscription on the Power Speed Endurance website and dive into some breath work with me. You guys can join me. I've been doing it for a couple weeks here. Um, as I've been uh, working on my breath and it's been very, again, very humbling, but also kind of fun to explore a different side of fitness and something that people just kind of ignore when it's something that we do every day, thousands of times a day. So something to think about doing if you're trying to mix up your training. Uh, again, if you guys love this episode, be sure to share it with a friend and keep leaving those ratings and reviews on iTunes. They really help boost the show. They make me feel good and know that we're on the right track. Thank you guys for the support. Let's get to it. And it's with my pleasure to bring on the MyFit podcast, Brian McKenzie from Power Speed Endurance. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, DJ. Appreciate awesome, it, brother. Yeah, uh, we were talking off air. I've been following Brian since 2012. I have his book. I have a lot of notes in his book. And he's just somebody that I really look up to in the industry, especially when it comes to breath work. I think you are the guy when it comes to how to train the breath, what to know about it. How can we you know, help our clients in the gym just become aware of it? Um, and so I'm really excited to just learn more today from you about breath work. Uh, thanks. Well, I, um, I, I, I noticed something pretty early on when we got into breath work. And that was that Nobody knew where to start. And, and most of the things that were out there are pretty advanced, mm -hmm. including things like Wim Hof method, which there's nothing wrong with it. I, I use aspects of the Wim Hof method, but um, you know, a lot of people just don't understand the basics of what breath work entails and what it means. So they think it's something that has to be this advanced, weird thing that it's actually not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something too, that I think has really come. It's like, it almost seems in the last couple of years, it's been really prevalent. It's really taken off more. And I don't know if that a little bit, if it's CrossFit, uh, a lot of my listeners, Brian are CrossFit athletes and coaches. And so mm -hmm. I don't know if it's CrossFit that's kind of helped that, but it just seems like uh, the breath work has really been popularized as of late. Why do you think that is right now that people are starting to catch on to this? And it's been, obviously we've been breathing for, you know, centuries and centuries and centuries, but why is it yeah. now becoming something that's like, ah, oh, let's learn. Um, I, I, Honestly, I think it's because a couple of things. Mental health is argue, is is becoming a very big concern, and it's going to continue to be that way because uh, based on, I think, 
I, don't quote me on this, but I'm, I continue to hear this from a lot of my friends in, in uh, the medical world and science world, that mental health will be the biggest killer by 2025. Mm-hmm. So you're talking depression, anxiety related, et cetera. Uh, these will be the biggest killers that are happening, not COPD. Um, and if you take a look at what could happen, why that might be, if you look at things like technology and medicine, which I'm, I'm a fan of both, but the advancements that have happened with these things are like hockey sticks, right? Where our own biology doesn't make those changes like that. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, I mean, look, look at the CrossFit world is like how, like, I mean, when, when we all first did a CrossFit workout, how much changed within the first year of continuing to do CrossFit a lot, right? That's not necessarily total adaptation. Total adaptation takes a lot of time. This is where you start to see things like, well, I better start to really pay attention and not just doing fucking Metcons or I better start doing a, a really what CrossFit was designed for, or I'm going to run into some problems. And we even see this at the elite levels. Like, you know, like we don't, we didn't know and we don't know mm-hmm. how healthy this truly is long-term, right? And so for us to see things like technology, and the reason I say this is for us to see things like technology and medicine, like, look, if I get sick, I can go get something. Mm-hmm. If I have a problem like depression or anxiety, I can go get something. Now, I'm not suggestive that these aren't things or alter- like ways of actually creating some relief in the system so that we can control the chaos to some degree that's happening, meaning the disease or the problem that's happening. But unfortunately, what we're not getting with this stuff is that time to reflect or learn how to actually make the adaptations to those problems. Take any disease, right? COPD, um, heart disease, um, you know, you've got, uh, you know, any, any sort of autoimmune response. These are all disease of stress. Okay. It's just how we're stressing it. And, and, and it all becomes stress. Like it, it's all related to stress. So then stress gets this bad rap. Unfortunately, that's not true. <laughs> stress is actually necessity. In fact, I mean, I was just having a conversation with a kid who I mentor and, and is a good friend of mine who works with me over in London. And he's like, he's been running some stats on himself and running some metrics. It's like, bro, I've been doing this, these metrics on things. And, you know, just take a guess when my HRV, my CO2 tolerance, my resting heart rate, take a guess which days are the worst days for my HRV. And I was like, the day after your rest day. And he's like, yeah, how'd you know that? I was like, because you don't do anything. We're not designed not to do anything. Mm. You need stress. Everything requires energy or we die. Energy is fundamental. We're just experiencing the universe in a human form, producing energy, like moving it. We're not actually producing energy. We're moving energy, right? Mm. We're moving everything that's out there. We have to kill that, whether it's a plant or animal, doesn't matter. We ingest it, right? And we, ha- we move that energy to use it to continue to move ourselves forward. Mm-hmm. And through all of this, we end up 
doing things or getting caught into things that end up, you know, like we don't pay attention enough to, or we, you know, we like, we continue to repeat things and do sit, you know, things all the time. And, you know, I'm like, it, it's just, we get caught up in ourselves a lot as human beings. And this is where we tend to, you know, the ease or the comfort of, uh, of, of things is a double-edged sword. I'm not suggesting that we need to go back to being cave people and living out in the wild, <laughs> but we're nature. And we forget that. And we like to use language that separates ourselves from saying, I'm going to go out into nature. No, you are nature. <laughs> You're going to go outside. <laughs> you are and nature. I like you, that. Well, we are. Yeah. I mean, you're an animal. Mm -hmm. you, you, like every other organism that uses oxygen, is using aerobic metabolism to function. 90% of the energy we use is coming from aerobic metabolism, right? So, and that's give or take, but that, that in and of itself explains a lot about how we move energy. And, and, and unfortunately, even those who are great athletes aren't real good at using aerobic energy. Right. And it doesn't matter what your heart rate's telling. Mm -hmm. yeah. Your heart rate has nothing to really do with that. So when we look at disease, we look at these problems, we see these things and it becomes, oh, hey, I've got a quick way to fix this, a quick way to buffer the problem versus I have to go learn what caused this problem and uncouple this thing. Mm. And for a large majority of us, especially listening to this, if, you're, if your crowd is who you say they are, what happens is, is we end up doing things for a long period of time that make us feel good, but might be doing a little bit of damage here and there over time. Right. And that might take 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And this is what I saw in the endurance world is after 10, 15, 20 years, all of a sudden you hit a, a, a real serious problem. Mm. My knee hurts, right? My hip hurts. I have to stop doing what I'm doing, go back, take some time off, but then I go right back to doing what it was I was doing. Mm -hmm. And then the pain comes back and then right. it gets worse. And it's like, I'm, and, and it's like, we did, we never really looked at mechanically what was going on, where I was really going, it had nothing to do with my knee. It might've been my big toe, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's just, so, so it really becomes this coupling effect that we look for quick answers to things. So then we go put a shoe on that makes it so my knee doesn't hurt anymore. Mm -hmm. That didn't fix the problem. Right. That was Man. not the, pro and, and we're right. under, and, and we're under the impression that this is actually how we get to do things. Mm -hmm. And we're all complicit in this, in this thing. Because this is what our lives have become. And so largely we're talking about breathing to mm -hmm. answer your question after mm -hmm. this long fucking diet <laughs> is because breathing is the one way, one thing that's involved in everything. Yep. Ultimately. Absolutely. And you have to breathe in order to move energy. You have, there's no if and buts about it. Right. And it just so happens is not only is it connected to your, your neurobiology, but it's also connected to physiology. Right. And so the whole system works as one. And, and understanding that is like, it's like, oh, wait, what? Like, I, this is hippie to me. And it's like, well, actually, it's not. We're yeah. making it very scientific. Right. So, right. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. And, and there's a, I want to highlight this um, because I thought, I thought you'd appreciate this, but the Wall Street Journal came out with an article about breath work mm -hmm. and during this COVID stuff. You might have seen it. It was just a couple of days ago, but I just want to read yeah, the James last. Nestor. Yes. I want to read the, oh, um, actually, this one. It might, was it James uh, Nestor? 
Yes, it was. Okay, so the yeah, la- yeah, nice. Yeah. So you've already, you've already seen. Okay, so the last sentence. I know of, James well. Oh, yeah. sweet, very cool, man. Yeah. Um, the last sentence of this article, and I, and I'd like to hear your thoughts and expand on it. Is is, is a, it says COVID nineteen has forced modern medicine to broaden its outlook and look for new solutions, even in the wisdom of the past. Fortunately, a remedy for many of our chronic health problems is right under our noses. It requires no batteries, Wi-Fi, headgear, or smartphones. It costs nothing and takes little time and effort. It's a therapy our ancestors self-administrated for thousands of years with only their lips, noses, and lungs. Let's hope this time around, we don't forget it. Yeah. He's he's absolutely, yeah, he's absolutely spot on. Um, James and I, it's interesting. And I just say this because we went to the same high school. Oh, funny. He, he graduated five years before me. And okay. we, I'm 45. So you know, I went to high school like 26 years ago. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> we went to the same high school and now we live basically in the same area. And he went the route of being a journalist and I've got into human performance. We both landed on the same thing. And he did a, he did a book. His new book is about to come out. I suggest everybody get it. Actually, I think it came out today. Oh, sweet. Uh, it's called Breath. The, the, I think the lost art, the, just something about the lost art of a, of a hidden medicine or something. Um, needless to say, he did a whole historical context on what happened. And here, here's what happens with what we've done is we, we've moved, we've slowly chipped away at making our lives more convenient. And I'm going back to this in that. In indigenous cultures, they had to participate in what nature delivered. Mm -hmm. Everything had consequence. Mm -hmm. And they paid such close attention to that, that they didn't do things like setting up camp in floodplains. Say, New Orleans, Houston. All right? And I'm not saying, oh, we got to evacuate those things, but they just didn't do things because they understood that those were areas that were bad, right? Like you're just not going to set up shop there. And they were nomadic in a lot of ways, but they paid attention to the land. They paid attention to their system. They paid attention to how they felt. And they also paid attention to what they saw. What they saw was civilized man as he started to encroach on the frontier and push across was that they were sick all the time. They stunk. Um, they, there was just a lot of things going on that were very evident. One of those things was the fact that they had, they called the white man, they called the, the, the civilized man, black mouth. Mm. And it, they, they were very aware of the fact that they, when they, um, hunted, when they slept, what happened when they opened their mouths. And this was, this was documented all like in, in historic literature, it's just been forgotten. Right. And so when we when when James brings up that a lot of the disease and a lot of things that are going on could just be a simple manifestation of purely breathing habit. Yeah. Think think about how how important oxygen is for the system. Mm-hmm. It's the most important molecule. It's the molecule for life. Mm-hmm. Granted, we need a lot of things in order to function for life, but the only way we get to use oxygen is through our relationship to carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is what triggers us to breathe, okay? Now, carbon dioxide just so happens to also be the byproduct of beta-oxidation or aerobic metabolism. So, when the mitochondria use the oxygen and a substrate, and they break the carbon bond through that process of beta-oxidation, the Krebs cycle, Mm -hmm. right? 
the byproduct that becomes energy, water, and carbon dioxide. That carbon dioxide has to come back out of the system and it goes back through the blood. Well, depending on how much oxygen is in the arterial system, not the veins, which would the venous would be the return of the byproduct of the waste, mm-hmm. but the arterial would be what's still in the blood. We have systems set up in the, in the aortic, the heart, and the carotid, the neck, that detect up in the brainstem and trigger us when to breathe. Mm-hmm. So we don't have a lot of dedication in the body to detecting oxygen levels. Mm. So this is very contrary to what anybody actually thinks or behaves like. I need air. I need oxygen. Right. That's not what's going on. Right. You're actually needing, you're, you're, you're signaling to yourself to get rid of carbon dioxide. So carbon dioxide becomes kind of this metabolic stress messenger that we're predicting in the arterial system how it's going to react. And it, rightfully so, because mm-hmm. if too much carbon dioxide's in the system, we're, becoming a, we're gonna become acidic. That's certain death, and we're, we're definitely going to die. And so there's a panic switch set up in the brain that we react to. So anybody who's dealt with an anxious situation or panicked at all, or held their breath to the point of like freaking out, that is the panic switch. Mm-hmm. Every human being has this. Even if you don't have an amygdala, meaning a calcified amygdala, that amygdala being what they thought was the fear center, you don't even need that. Mm. Like people who are unafraid of anything, who are a detriment to themselves in society, who have to have people with them because they'll make decisions that'll kill them, Mm -hmm. have a panic switch. And so it's really important to understand that because at the center of how we breathe is carbon dioxide. And we, because of how we're set up with our brains, we have one of the, what we would call the most evolved brains. And that gives us the cortex, namely the prefrontal cortex, which the PFC does all of our executive function thinking, critical thinking, et cetera. It also gets us into a shit ton of trouble Mm. because it's, we can create emotional responses to thinking, right? Yep. My dog doesn't do that. Right. Mm-hmm. The animals, animals and we use our sight, sound, taste, touch, right? To and hearing to interpret the environment and that inevitably tells us exactly what's going on. I mm-hmm. smell smoke, that's fire. If I don't see smoke and I smell smoke, it's probably coming from inside me, you know, like all, all of a sudden the threat starts to come down, right? I see my wife, I see my girlfriend, I see my whoever that brings me joy, right? Happy, right? So this is how we interpret Mm -hmm. things. But because we can do so much thinking, right? right? And so when we go downstream of that, we we look at our limbic system, which is where emotions are stored, memory, right? Mm -hmm. Long-term emotions and our amygdala. Our amygdala is there, but our our memories, there are deep long-term memories, right? Not our working memory, but our long-term. And so... This is where when we see, smell, hear something, like if I smell my grandmother's perfume, I instantly go back to Laguna Beach where I was, where I would hung out with her and I had a good time. So I instantly fall into this emotional response to something, right? Yep. Well, downstream from that limbic system. So the limbic system's the second oldest portion. Mm-hmm. Every animal basically has this except reptiles, right? So reptiles don't really carry that. But what they do carry is what we call the reptilian brain or the brainstem. 
that is where that is like the conduit of putting out all of the 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 electrical firing of the system motor control i move my arms i run from something i hide from something i lift something i do something my brain's signaling this right the, mm-hmm. the emotional response to seeing a bear is my next action right mm-hmm. and it goes to action my autonomic nervous system my per, my parasympathetic nervous system sits up high in the uh, spinal cord right below that um, you know, so we can stimulate a lot of things. Well, in that brainstem is where our respiration centers reside. Okay. Okay. And yep. so our respiration centers play a large role on this in that they are directly involved in our autonomic nervous system. Okay. And that means we don't have to think about it. So you don't have to think about your breathing right now. Now that I said something, you're going to think about it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. You can and, and you override it, right? Sure. So now I control my breathing. You just controlled your autonomic arousal, right? Right. So now I'm in control. I have the ability to control arousal, or I allow the system to do what it's doing. So in most cases, what we see is something when my thinking gets off. It's a downward trend, and so my, I, I create a connection to CO2, CO2 tolerance, panic switch, and how my breathing happens. So how I emotionally respond to things carries weight with Mm -hmm. breathing. Mm -hmm. This is why when you go to sleep, your respiration patterns change. Because you're not not consciously thinking about it. Bro, you're relaxed. What happens when you're relaxed? Here's what happens. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And not... Right. Oh, hey. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I can also imagine like too, like in a, in a CrossFit environment too, if you're thinking about running while you're running or a salt bike or doing whatever is going through the brain is how that's going to follow your breath's going to follow. See everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're going to see everything. Breathing follows everything Mm -hmm. because it's intricately involved, not only with our physiology and psychology, but movement, Mm -hmm. how we move. Our diaphragm is most important muscle in the body. I want to dive in deeper. This is the, you got me all excited, man. This is fun to learn about. I'm curious on, um, breath holding. So I consider myself a pretty fit individual. I've competed at very high level competitions. I've been to the CrossFit games. I can't hold my breath underwater very long. And I also tried your CO2 delivered the test where you breathe out and exhale, Brian. And it's embarrassing how bad that was. What the heck is going on? Talk to me about the being able to hold uh, your breath and being able to slowly release your breath. Maybe talk about that test. Yeah. Yeah. So first, I think we have a distorted view of what fitness actually is. Mm. And it's more... Not, now, that doesn't mean that you are not able to put out more work or wattage than I am, right? But if fitness is one thing, is health another? and Based on what you're telling me right now is that we understand you're probably not as aerobically efficient as you could be. Amen. Okay. Thus, if you can't hold your breath real long or well, that tells me you have, you, you need to breathe much sooner than most people do. Correct. Okay. So when you're that, that'll mean that when you work out, I'm betting you can, you're probably mouth breathing sooner. You're going to mouth breathe sooner than somebody, let's just say me, because I've worked at this for so long. Right. Um, like I, I went for a bike ride this weekend with some friends and we were doing some pretty radical climbs and one of the guys wasn't that fit. Right. And 
we were going up and I was just cruising with him, but he was talking the whole time and he was breathing out of his mouth the whole time. And I was just, my mouth was shut and I was going up and I was just smiling and we were heading up and I'd say a couple words when we were talking, but then I go right back breathing sure. through my nose. He's like, did you just fucking do that entire hill with your mouth closed? And, and I was like, yeah. A, I wasn't going hard enough to need me myself to actually do, to breathe out of my mouth. B, and, and that's pretty important to understand, Absolutely, right? Yeah, like there's yeah. a, there's a, there's a, there's a time and a place for yeah. us to mouth breathe. But if I'm supposedly, you know, if I'm on a walk and I need, or I'm on a hike and I need to breathe out of my mouth and I'm fit, mm-hmm. we got a problem. There's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a big problem. So, and here's why CO2 is what's responsible for making O2 oxygen bioavailable. So that red blood cell that everybody knows carries oxygen. There's only one way that oxygen comes out of that red blood cell. That's when there's enough carbonic acid inside that cell. Mm-hmm. And so there's billions of fucking o- oxygen inside that one cell, right? And so it's not that we're not using oxygen. It's how much are we not using or how much are we using? And if I need to breathe or I'm, I'm CO2 intolerant, I'm, breathing i'm over breathing yes and by and large what we've seen is that i'd save roughly 80 percent or more of the population even the fittest in the world no joke i've I'm not just crossfitters sure I've, i have seen this in many sports are aerobically inefficient they are yeah. over breathing and and so what does this mean well that you know how does that how are they doing what they're doing yeah it turns out human beings are really good at suffering mm. We can get away with a lot through using different energy or more carbohydrate for energy. Mm. What happens when, and, and so some people who've read my stuff would be like, well, weren't you all about this high intensity stuff? Well, I still am, but it's really understanding how much we need to do in order to get that thing kicked on. Right. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that it doesn't mean you need to go sit on a bike or go for a run for four hours or three hours or two hours and sit at a really low heart rate. Mm. You can do this by just shutting your mouth and checking your ego at the door and spending maybe about a month really understanding the difference between nasal and mouth breathing. Mm -hmm. And so this is the fundamental place where we start everybody is, Hey, understand the difference between nose and mouth breathing. Take, the time for the next four weeks, Mm -hmm. everything you do in training to strictly be nasal breathing, Mm. it will suck and your ego will get booted the Mm -hmm. first week or two. Then you'll start to see the change. You'll start to see yourself climbing out of that. Mm -hmm. Then what you see at the end of four weeks is a complete rewrite of how your physiology has been working for most people. I, I've yet to have anybody come back to me and tell me that it didn't do anything. Right. So, um, and, and this is what I did myself. And, and now what we understand is, look, we're not actually giving people the, the you know, everything to this. Mm-hmm. Like, essentially, I'd love to get people to just do a gear one only, which is like equal inhale, equal exhale, nose only. Mm-hmm. But that, that's a little too much for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, just go out and nose breathe for the next month. Then take a look at what, you know, how that could progress. And we've developed what's called a gear system where you take 
breathing through the nose and you start to speed up. It's like going into second gear, going into mm. third gear, going into fourth gear, and then going into fifth. Fifth being mouth you, only. You mean speed up your speed up your pace, speed up your movement. You got okay. it. Okay. So going from something that's like mm-hmm. two, two, mm-hmm. different ball then, game. Then two, mm-hmm. right? And if I'm always in a gear five. I can tell you right now, based on how much we've studied on metabolic carts and where we're getting researched, like I, I've, we've done this with a hundred or more people. Mm-hmm. You go out and hold 200 Watts on a bike, open your mouth then sh- for five minutes and then shut your mouth for five minutes and repeat that a few times. You've got two entirely different energy systems being worked. Right. And what is the culprit? When I exhale, mm-hmm. I'm getting rid of carbon dioxide. If I'm offloading more carbon dioxide than necessary, my blood pH changes just slightly. Mm -hmm. That ever so slight change doesn't allow for all that oxygen to come out. So we've got a little less oxygen. So so, so the system and how brilliant it is does this. No problem. I'll move over more towards carbohydrate, which is easier to, which is easier, which is a faster mechanism to play. Yep. Right. And I'm not suggesting that carbohydrates are bad. It's Mm -hmm. just, this is a, this is a short term -term solution. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and if we're really good and paying attention, we can rebound from that. But how well are we developed on that aerobic side of things, that beta oxidative side of things that really allows us to create a bigger, bigger window to, Oh, I've got this much room before I actually even need to start tipping into that stuff. Right, right. That's mind blowing because you think you think you're aerobic, you know, and you think you're fit and things like that. And then I because well, I can imagine trying to run no with yeah. nose breathing, I'd fall apart, Brian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I mean, look, dude, Tia Claire was the same way. James, uh, you know, Newberry was the same. I mean, James was really one of the test subjects I used about four, I think four years ago, three or four years ago. And he, he came to me and I was like, all right, first four weeks, no, no mouth breathing. Here you go. Assault bike. How hard can you go on this thing? And, um, no, you're fine. Um, how hard can you, like, at what level can you get to on the assault bike with nasal breathing? And he's mm-hmm. like, I got to a 140 heart rate and I could not, that's as hard as I could go. So using that number, Brian, 140, how, 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 what was the next step after you found that number? How'd you use that? I, I didn't use one for you. I just said, oh. forget your heart rate. You can okay. keep it on as long as you want. Doesn't yep. matter to me. Okay. One month later, guess what his heart rate reading was at nose breathing only? Hmm. 170. Wow. And he felt like he could go all day. Oh, shit. And at 140, he felt like he was going to die a month earlier because mm-hmm. it was so new and he was getting exposed to this thing. Now, here's the, here's the tricky part. A lot of people would think, well, that's just too difficult or that's just like, you know, like that might be CO2 poisoning or like, you know, hyper, 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 uh, It's like, no, we're so, we, we are so much more resilient than we actually think yeah. that people want to give ourselves credit for. You're not going like, look, free divers can hold their breath for some of them up to 11 minutes. That's mind blowing to me, Brian. <laughs> right. 11 minutes. I can hold my breath for about somewhere in the four to six minute range right now. Right. Like, if I prep right, right. It took me some time, years to actually get to, right. 
But what also changed was when I'm on that bike, like, I mean, I was just doing 45 second efforts uh, at like, uh, I think like 500 watts, something like that. Just like mm-hmm. holding 500 watts, 45. Yep. And I'm not a tremendous amount, but it was on a bike, not yep. a, not a assault bike. Yep. Right. So a little bit more difficult and they were repetitive and I had some, and I had to hold one 130 Watts between I can, I can get to about 40 seconds, 38 seconds, nose only breathing on that before I have to start to transition over to mouth. And then the after effect becomes very different where I'm like, Oh wow. Catches you. And you feel like the need to really offload, but then it's how quickly can I get back to back to it? Mm. And that's when you're ready to go again, mm. because now I've got control of the carbon dioxide in the system. I've got, I've developed that ability to actually tolerate. And now I'm aerobic again. I'm got not it. anaerobic. Mm. Right. And so for most of us, that tipping point is really early, too early in my thinking, yeah. like from like most people, even the fittest in the world. So what we do is we just restructure this whole thing, apply these things in different angles, like, you know, Hey, we're going to do some, you're going to do CrossFit today, except like, and I'm going to let you go up to a gear five at like, when you get to the box jumps, right? Like you can go gear five, we hit the box jumps, check this out. Mm-hmm. As soon as you finish, you're going to do as many pushups you can on a negative exhale hold. And it's like, wait, what? And you get like three pushups, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, well, what, well, what's that doing? Well, we're training your CO2 tolerance, not your pushup. Mm-hmm. Big difference <laughs> there. Under big difference, but mm-hmm. then we start to train the system to how to, you know, so we start manipulating things, right? So we start playing, but the, the easiest thing is just shut your mouth for the next four weeks. Mm. If, if you get really inclined, buy some mouth tape on Amazon, put it on your mouth at night when you go to sleep. The other part of this is that that's a breath, you know, so that's a breath practice. In and of itself, just being aware of what the difference between nasal and mouth breathing and what happens. I mean, mm-hmm. the fact is, is when I talk, I start to get ramped up. Mm-hmm. That has, there's physiological reasons for that. Mm-hmm. I'm dumping carbon dioxide. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm increasing my arousal because I'm offloading carbon dioxide. I'm switching myself to stay in this more alert, engaged process, right? Mm-hmm. To where when I shut up, I close my mouth. Calm, calm down, mm-hmm. open myself up, listen. Yeah. Right. So that all has a play in what we're doing, but to move it forward is if you really want to work at this stuff, you can take it as far as like, we've got this. So that breath calculator, what you talked about, the CO2 tolerance test, mm-hmm. that is a very good indicator of what is either psychologically, mechanically, or physiologically going on with CO2. So mm-hmm. whether how you move, how you think, or how you actually your biology is working with oxygen, mm-hmm. right? And so that test tells us where you're at and you can input that on that breath calculator yep. and you can get seven different protocols that you mm-hmm. can play with. The idea is to find one that works with you in the morning so it makes you feel a little bit more alert and calm, but, and then find one in for the evening, which is one that just makes you feel calm, relaxed, like you go to bed. Right. Do 10 cycles of that in the morning, do 10 cycles of the one in the evening, and you will start to rewrite how your nervous system. 
And I can imagine too, bro, as you said, the, the physiological, just the mental side of things, I, I can relate to that because I could just see, um, you know, in the bottom of the pool, there's just a moment, like you said, the panic mode for mm-hmm. some people, right? You do the, um, well, first, why don't you talk about what the XL test is and then, and then people will kind of understand that a little bit more. What, 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 how does that work? Yeah. So more or less, you just want to, you want to be either seated or laying down for a couple minutes, relaxed. You didn't just work out. <laughs> yep. Um, it's, it's really about where, like where you're at in your normal day to day. Right. Then you take four breaths, full inhale and then relaxed exhale. And it's, they're not fast. So we don't want to hyperventilate at all. So it's just a full. Have a timer on the fourth inhale. As soon as you fill all the way up, we start the timer and then you exhale through your nose as long or as slow as you possibly can just by trickling the air out. Not using the mouth because pur- pursing the lips really screws with things. Like it, it, the diaphragm doesn't have to actually be as, as eccentrically as engaged, right? So by doing this through the nose, we're actually forcing you to use that diaphragm a bit more. And this tells us how, when you... The, so the free diving world has been using this to set CO2 and O2 tables, okay. right? And those are simple. Those are hypoxic protocols to train for breath holding in the water. Um, and we saw that this was a very easy way to actually program how much stress somebody could be under for a, a breath cycle. Okay. And the reason that we have seven different protocols up there is because there is no one cycle that affects people the same way because you DJ might experience Mm -hmm. emotions and thinking different than I do. Like put a picture of black in front of me and you, and we're going to have different reactions to Mm -hmm. it. Right. That. So our breathing centers are coupled with how we emotionally respond to things. Right. Like I just went over the neurobiology. Right. 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 So, this is why it's important to understand that just doing box breathing or Wim Hof or whatever radical you know, or, or cool rhythm that you found, mm-hmm. it, you, you should explore other rhythms because we saw, I got, we got, I got involved with some research out of Stanford Medicine where we were actually screening people and saw that people respond very differently. I mean, we're de- like some people get very anxious off of specific protocols and they yeah, don't even need yeah. to be fast. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, yeah, I mean, if you got a ha- somebody who's got high anxiety, breath yes. holds aren't something you want people doing. No, it, it's not something they can do. They panic. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah, you, you, you've you've suppressed your your ability to tolerate CO two. That means exactly. the switch flips really quickly. Yeah, because so I can see need- somebody exhaling out and um, going <clears throat> and almost having like a little bit of like, a, oh my gosh, and and uh, and you almost ask them like did you have more in you? It's like, yeah, I had more in you, but like, I, I didn't want to go there. Like it's almost scary for them to, to go even deeper, even though they had more in them. So at that point, yeah, oh, yeah. what you're saying is that program is not going to be the same as the person who just bailed because they, you know, there, there's a psychological thing about being able to get into that sponge where you're out of breath. And if you don't want to get there, you're going to check out 10 seconds, 15 seconds before you get there. Oh yeah. 100%. Your thinker is going to get involved. Right. So how do you program right? for people that are, it's a mental thing. Yeah, yeah. You just find a protocol that'll work for them. Maybe that's just inhale, exhale. Okay. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that I, I've that's been a lot of people's protocols. Sure. You know, but I mean, I've still I've had high anxiety people who literally respond to 
hyperventilate, like that's high arousal state. And then, and hold on the end, mm. you know, but it's all different for a lot of people. And mm-hmm. so it's really playing around. Like this is where people have to be willing to explore mm-hmm. and, and to really play with things. Right. And it's, so it's four breaths, the fourth one out that that's our exhale through the nose. I can see there's probably people that are in their car at home that want to try this out. What, what kind of numbers are you, are you looking for, Brian? What's like, Oh my gosh, you need some freaking work. And, and what, what are some kind of metrics? Well, everything's, everything needs work just so we're clear but there's no, nothing that's going to be perfect. All right. So for the perfectionists out there, good and done is better than perfect and not. <laughs> um, so here's how anything under 20 seconds. And we've got a fairly reactive person. We've got, I mean, we're probably pretty reactive. We know they're going to be fairly aerobically intolerant as well. Mm-hmm. I was okay? 22 seconds just to put that in a perspective. Now, I would guess that if we did this a few times with you, you'd probably increase that, which tells me motor control, a lot of things are starting to happen, right? Sure. Which is perfectly fine. But yes, this is a problem. Mm-hmm. Now, 20 to 30 seconds is okay. okay. And then when we start to see 45 seconds to 30 seconds, that's decent, right? 45 seconds to 60 seconds is, is good. 60 seconds up is pretty good. 80 seconds and above is excellent. And we've got this stuff on the site um, to show people. Yep. I will put that in the show notes as well. But it really, it really is about like when I see somebody who's in that 20 second range, mm-hmm. all I see is massive opportunity. That's all I see. Yeah. Like I don't see, Oh, we did poor, poor, poor son of a bitch. <laughs> I see like, think about this what you've already done, what you're capable of right now. Like yeah. the fact that you've competed at the games mm-hmm. and you have a, tw- like, dude, <laughs> you have no idea what your potential is. I got to work on this, man. <laughs> well, I, I, I kid you not. It's, yeah. it's, it's freaky, man. It's freaky. Mm-hmm. Like what we've seen is freaky. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, go ahead. I, yeah. I'm just curious on how, what your thoughts are and how it translates to heart rate. And I say that because I've been known yeah. for, um, having a pretty low heart rate. I'm a very calm guy. I, I would, I think I live a pretty low stress life, uh, but the breathing test shows opposite. So I'm curious if I, if I go to the doctor and I have a, a notoriously low heart rate, um, but I can't release, is there, is what I'm trying to get at is there, is there a correlation between the two or does it make sense if I have a really low healthy heart rate per se, but I can't release CO2 as well as I should? Um, yes and no. I think there's been a little too much emphasis put on heart rate. Okay. Tell me about that. There, yeah. Uh, so for instance, that we have correlated heart rate training zones with energy. Yep. And the problem with that is that most of those are guesses because most of those people aren't actually doing a metabolic test to get those actual numbers, meaning they're not on a gas exchange machine. It's actually telling them what substrate system they're in, mm-hmm. right? That's then correlating to a heart rate where it was at. And so that, what, what do I mean by that? That means when you do a stress test, you go into a, a cardiologist or an exercise physiologist, you do a stress test. They strap you up to a heart rate, a very accurate heart rate machine yep, and a gas mach- exchange machine, a metabolic heart, a very accurate one, typically in the $30,000 range, meaning they're, they're measuring the, the nitrogen, the oxygen, the, the carbon dioxide, the gases that are coming in and out of you. 
And so the ratio of oxygen to carbon dioxide is what we know is going on from a respiration standpoint. Respiration being what's happening in the cells. What energy am I using? When I'm using more carbohydrate and I lean more towards anaerobic systems, I have a lot more carbon dioxide that's coming off as a result of that, right? Mm -hmm. So as I pull the air in, the air out should match what's going in if I'm aerobic. This keeps me at the 0.7 range. Okay. 0.8 means I'm moving more into the protein kind of range, like this, you know, more I'm leaning a little bit outside of the fat burning. Now I'm going, and then upwards of 8 into 0.9 becomes carbohydrate. Once I'm at 1.0, I am burning no fat. I am strictly burning sugar. Okay? I am anaerobic. We've blockaded heart rate zones specific to what those are based on a guess of where my max heart rate is and resting heart rate is. And our heart rate has nothing to do with cellular respiration. Hmm. Here's what I mean. If a chess player, if you and I were to play chess, do you know how to play chess? I do. Bring it on. I do not. <laughs> we go to checkers, maybe. <laughs> one, one game, all right? One game, yeah. and I'll do this best I can and I'll lose. Mm-hmm. You and I are still going to burn something like 400 calories a day with our brains. Sure. Chess players in a, in a match that, la- that these matches last all day can burn 6,000 calories. What? A free diver can burn upwards of 600 calories an hour Diving and coming up, and their heart rate never going above your and my resting heart rate. Uh, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to unpack this one. This is about energy, heat. I have to actually. So, if my brain is requiring me to think, my brain's pretty dependent on glucose. It'll use ketones as well, but glucose for the majority of us, right? So, the more I think, the more firing that's going on, the more energy I need. That doesn't mean my heart rate needs to go up in order mm-hmm. to do that, mm-hmm. right? I just need to un- un- uncouple carbon molecules from substrates, whether mm-hmm. those carbon molecules are attached to glucose or fat, right? Just so happens I can get, so I can get what, two ATP out of glucose in anaerobic processes. Aerobically, I can get, I think it's something like 30, 36 or something. Now, check out what happens with fat. Over 100 ATP. Mm, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's where the efficiency game changes. And if I'm bobbing up and down in water, I'm, my body is going down to really cold temps, then coming back up warmer temps. I'm holding my breath, right? My heart rate's staying low. I'm having to manage heat. So... Where that essentially, this is just management of a system, and my heart rate is nothing more than an intensity factor. If there was a shark, my heart rate might go up when I was mm-hmm. diving. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I necessarily burned more calories, though. Right. So, do you right? not use heart rate monitors at all in your in your programming? Uh, no. I mean, I will from time to time monitor mm-hmm. heart rate, but I do not at all. I mean, I I really try to stay away from that stuff because it's pretty it's pretty interesting what happens. I mean, like, look. So many people are so glued to a lot of the, like, like whoop and aura. And sure. I, I had, I had these things mm-hmm. and they are so inaccurate. Mm. It's, it's, it's mind boggling. 
how inaccurate they are. Yeah. And we are glued to them as if they're telling us what's going on. And what are they doing? They're mimicking. They're trying to mimic what you are very capable of understanding yourself without any of sure. what a native American or indigenous culture in the 1800s just paid attention to. Mm-hmm. They knew they, they woke up at night if their mouth open, they didn't hunt with their mouths open. They could outride anybody for days on end. They could, hunt and kill things. They can shoot off a horseback. They could do things that nobody else could do, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I mean, you could come in with the, you know, well, we created guns. Yeah. Well, it wasn't <laughs> just guns that ruined things. It was the <laughs> fact that we actually killed all the Buffalo and ruined how they ate, you know? Um, but the fact of the matter is, is these people were fucking gnarly, dude. Mm-hmm. We are nothing compared to what a, a Comanche Indian was. True. They they were brutal and could withstand temperatures and be in places that nobody could actually nobody wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And why? Because they paid attention. Right. That's why. Right. They listened. That's why. Absolutely. And we followed this curve of technology that's continuing to tell. I got this biofeedback here. I had a guy comment on that on the on the post today. He's like, "What biofeedback were you using?" I said the most intricately designed technological system known Myself. to man, <laughs> me, <Yeah. laughs> you know, but he saw a picture of this brain training stuff that I was doing that I was using. And I, and, and I get it, you know, cause I, I did stuff like mm. I use technology, like, fuck, I wouldn't be alive. If it wasn't for mes- Western medicine. I'm, right. I'm not like, I'm not blind to that. Yeah. Like I, I, at all. But I, I do think that like, I, I know for a fact, I know based on where my breathing's at, where my training's at. I knew getting on that bike today that I was cooked a little bit because of how I responded to each interval afterwards and how long I needed to breathe out of my mouth Mm -hmm. in order to get back to feeling good during the five minutes of spinning at 130 watts before Mm -hmm. I got to go up to 500 watts again. Right. Right. I know based on how I train, you know, as an athlete Mm -hmm. based on who you are and what you can lift and what you're doing. I knew by squatting the other day at, that when I squatted 255 for triples, that I wasn't at my, you know, my best anywhere near it. That was, I felt like it was the 275 I did a few weeks ago at triples. Oh, just so happened hiking for three hours with a 20 pound backpack on, you know, like a 20 pound vest, you know, that did some damage. I don't need a heart rate monitor to fucking tell me any of that. Mm -hmm. I felt that. Mm -hmm. I felt what it was like to squat that. Right. I mm-hmm. knew where my limitation was. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to go to it because of a number. I went to it because of what I felt mm-hmm. and how I knew I was responding to it. Cool. I want, I want to talk a little bit about, about running and, 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 yeah. and you, you have a lot of research with the running stuff. And, and I, I know um, obviously how you feel about heart rate now, but something that I've used heart rate monitors for, I'm curious where you determine this, but what I've done before is, um, you know, a salt bike, 10 minutes, row, 10 minutes, run 10 minutes, do that twice. So it's, it's an hour of work and then try to keep, you know, 135 beats a minute. And what's funny to me or interesting mm-hmm. to me is that I will bike and I will row and I will move at a pretty good clip. I get to the run and Brian, I can't do anything more than a fast walk because it just shoots it up. Yeah. Tell me yeah. about what, what could be going on there. Yeah. Gravity. Gravity. That's it. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're now vertical. So, so I, I now have to support a system vertically 
And then when I run, how efficient am I at running? So how much time have I actually spent there with running? So the suggestion would be, I'd spend 20 minutes running on and off with my nose only walking when I need to. And, you know, and 135, I like that, that number is superfluous to me. Yeah, in yeah, fact, yeah. You know, it's like, if I could, like, it was like James, that was 140 for him. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, what if I've got you doing, what if I said, all right, DJ, here's what you're going to do. You got one breath every five seconds, meaning in and out in five seconds. Yep. That's 12 breaths a minute. Yep. That is less than, that is less than the population uses. The mm-hmm. average population breath cycle per minute is 14 to 16 breaths. You can go as hard as you want with one breath cycle every five, every five seconds. You would be shocked what happens in a month. I would it, assume it, I would start very freaking walk. slow. You yeah, would walk. I, it would you have to be a walking. walk. Right. You would, you would be walking pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But that, that cleansing <laughs> of the system is what we call it, will rewrite how you actually move. Mm. Because you're going to force yourself to move more efficiently. You're mm. going to get efficient really quickly. The physiology will respond to this. Okay. And you're going to start to problem solve with your system. Well, what if I you know, what if I anchor my rib cage down more and keep mm. my shoulders back and down? Mm. And oh, now I've got more access to my diaphragm, which makes mm. it a lot easier because my pelvis is, in, is anterior pelvically tilted, you know, mm-hmm. right? See what yeah. I'm saying? Because yeah. the moment my spine is out of position slightly, my diaphragm doesn't contract as well. Absolutely. Yeah, makes sense. Very cool. Man, I'm loving this stuff. This is cool. Um, yeah. Another question that I've had people ask me, um, I'm a coach at my, at my gym and people want to know how we do a lot of interval style stuff, Brian, on Tuesday, we do, mm-hmm. we do intervals where, um, you know, you, you have two minutes to get as much work done and then we're going to rest for three minutes. We start up again and people want to know how can I get my heart rate down to get ready for round number, um, you know, two or three, or how can I get my, you know, I just went bananas on a 12 minute AMRAP, I need to calm the system down. I'm going to assume that you're going to say something along the lines of nose breathing, but if I got a, a test or another bout coming up, what's the best way to get my heart rate down so I can get ready to go again? Yeah. Yeah. So we use, here's something really easy to do. And then I'll give you something you can do for a test. If you guys, okay. if you guys really want to like, if you, if you want to get your people to learn, yeah. have them wear their heart rate monitors, right? And just have them watch their heart rate after they've done something intense, like an interval, first interval. All right. Watch your heart rate. Second interval, watch your heart rate. Third interval, half the intervals, just watch. Okay. Then the, then the other half, here's what you're going to do. You can go five mouth breaths at the end. Then you're going to go seven nose mouth. Then you're going to go nine nose nose. You're going to repeat that pattern until your heart rate is where it needs to be. Mm. Watch what happens. You're going to, what, what will happen is you'll see people who control their breath. When they start to control their breathing, heart rate plummets. Mm. If I were to strap a heart rate monitor to every single person in the room, if I was speaking and at some point I'll probably do this (laughs) and say, all right, here's what we're going to do. Look at your heart rate. Okay, for one minute, I want you to try and lower that heart rate as low as you can. Go. And so I'll just let him go for one minute. Sure. Then after one minute, I go, so what, 
what was the lowest you saw? And everybody gives you their number and, you know, what did you do to lower your heart rate? I would, I would personally start thinking about breathing slower. I would start exactly. nose breathing. It's yeah. exactly what everybody would do. And I wouldn't even need to talk about breathing. They would have intuitively done that. Yet, what do we intuitively not think about when we're fucking stressed? Whether that's from physical exertion or, and here's the, here's the problem with training, like in working out, is that we don't understand a loss of control of breathing is a loss of control of the system. And it's rare that we ever need to do that. That means the system is beyond any training, adapt, real, any, any real training adaptability at that point because we're hyper capping. So we're just, and we're just wrecked. It's a point of no return. Not saying you can't mouth breathe, but to mouth breathe and not be able to control it and lose it, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. And so we learning how to control that, we actually stay in control of what's going on. We start to go, oh, I know what to do. Mm-hmm. we'll do things where we do hard all out efforts that get to mouth breathing. And then as soon as the interval ends, you have to shut your mouth. Oof. I can imagine that can be pretty stressful. It can be, but it teaches you something really quickly. Your physiology has to actually adapt to that high CO2 load. Right. And what is it we're trying to adapt to? Mm-hmm. CO2 is at the heart of it all. Mental stress or physical. It's how we're going to use that energy, right? I'm either suppressing my ability to tolerate it or I'm actually increasing it to the point of where I'm finding my limitation. Right. Either place, let's find that, let's find a place to create more room. Mm-hmm. It's cool. So if you're a coach at a CrossFit gym or a coach listening, something easy that you guys could do is in, even in between like a, a heavy five by five back squat. I mean, if oh, you yeah. really experienced that before oh, yeah, yeah. and you put the bar back, you're breathing hard. You are. It's different than at what, like maybe you're, that you're running, but it is, you know, you're breathing, you're trying yeah. to get yourself to calm down. If you're on a clock, let's say it's never been on the minute or something like that. You want to be able to calm the system down. So the, just to recap, sit down perhaps, or be vertical, right? Cause the di- we need the diaphragm to be extended or, or as vertical as possible. And and we five mouth to mouth, seven nose to mouth, nine nose to nose, and yep. let that system cool down. Now, what if you can, do you skip some of those steps? Meaning like if you can go right to nose to nose, do you go right to nose to nose? Okay. For sure. For sure. For sure. Now, and, and keep in mind, there's a big difference from doing an all out or maximal lift and shutting your mouth at the end of that versus going five, seven, nine. I'm actually off intentionally offloading a lot of CO2 to create an effect so that I can actually drop down. Whereas if I shut my mouth, I'm exacerbating the training response. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to cause more cellular havoc in order to create a, an adaptive process. Mm -hmm. This is what it's like to be human. We intentionally create stress for adaptive process. At the heart of every one of those processes is how we handle carbon dioxide. Right. Right. Just like you said, just like you said in the, in the beginning of the podcast, the stress, everybody views stress is really bad, but we need that stress. Bro, we need it. And, and when those days off, don't ever not do anything. Yep. Cool. Go for a walk. In mm-hmm. fact, I would say 
more people should go and walk more. Walking changed my life. Absolutely changed my life. I still fucking train my brain. I, like I still cross it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm ne- I'm probably never going to stop that shit mm-hmm. because of what I get, what I get out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I, I mean, look, I, I deal with a lot of people who would never even touch CrossFit and, and then they come over and they work out with me and I don't say it's CrossFit and, you know, they're like, they don't even realize that is what sure. they're doing. Sure. You know? Yeah. And it, it's like, people are so weird like that, right? Like I won't do this or I won't do that. And, yeah. You know, whatever. But it's like, you got to understand we were actually designed to walk long periods of time. With our mouth closed. With our mouth shut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the name of the episode needs to be Shut Your Mouth. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Well, that, that it just so happens that the stuff I was citing from like Native American and indigenous cultures, yeah. there is a book that was written in 1867 by the, a guy by the name of George Caitlin called Shut Your Mouth and Save funny. Your Life. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> because of what he saw as a historian who was documenting the frontier at that time he was mm-hmm. documenting indigenous culture before it was eradicated mm-hmm. right he was there to do that and the biggest difference he saw between civilized and indigenous culture was that this indigenous culture shut their mouths mm. Very cool. they, when they talked it was with purpose when they spoke it, it was with purpose right mm-hmm. and it was not at long extended periods of time yep Cool. Awesome. If, if, um, somebody was listening to this whole thing, they're excited about it. They want to dive in and they're like, Brian, where do I start with breath work? I'm excited. Yeah. What, what, what what do I do first? If I want to work on my breath? Well, So look, here's a free month to PSE for your, for your listeners. Oh, cool. Awesome. We have breath control, breath work on the site, right? specific to breath work. If they want to adventure into the more of the endurance and, and, and the training stuff, we have the gear system set up in there, but the breath work itself is on there. Right. Okay. And so PSE pro, if they use my fit PSE, that'll give them a free month. Awesome. All right. And they can go in there and screw around with this. It has them do the CO2 tolerance test almost daily to couple into the breath exercises that we have people doing. And a lot of that stuff is the walking. They'll have them go for a walk and they'll walk and do five nasal breaths and then exhale and hold and go as many steps as they can while holding their breath on an exhale and then repeat five breaths from the nose. It sucks, but (laughs) we're totally restructuring their aerobic system. Yeah. And within like two weeks, they're like, why do I fucking feel so good? Mm. Why do I feel so calm? Why do I sleep better? Why is all this happening? Mm -hmm. And it just so happens that we learn to suffer really, really well. Mm-hmm. It's not just a cultural thing. Yeah. It's a training thing. Yeah. Yeah. Blowing my mind. I freaking love it. All right. We're going to jump into the final five. These are random yeah. questions. More just kind Go of fun. It. We'll take, we'll take away. We'll take a step away from the breath. Uh, final five. The first question, Brian, if you were to give advice to an 18 year old kid who wants to be in your shoes someday, what would you tell him or her? Be as curious as you possibly can and ask as many questions as you can. Awesome. Number two, if, uh, what is a book or a article or Netflix series? What is something out there that everybody needs to read or check out? Empire of the summer moon. What is this? That is about the last stand of the Comanche Indian and historic, the most accurate assessment of the history of the frontier that's ever been done and how it happened 
like okay. how rugged not only the, the Europeans were that were crossing, that were attempting to cross, but how incredibly efficient Native American culture was and, and what they were capable of and, and, and how, you know, I, like it's important to understand the genocide of the you know Native American culture because it happened. It's a it's a reality. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it, but you know my our ancestors were a part of that process, and we got to honor that. But the more important thing is to see what we were actually capable of. It ain't so far away, mm-hmm. and and we we're not we're, we're we're trying to hack all this stuff to a light degree, and I think we've confused ourselves to a large degree on all this. Mm-hmm. It's either that. Or look at, there's a book by the guy, a guy by the name of um, uh, uh, Gonzalez, and the book is called Deep Survival. Awesome. Isn't that why certain people survive and certain people don't. Like, why does a kid who gets lost in the middle of nowhere survive after seven days and a, and a seasoned hunter dies? Mm-hmm. Cool. Checking that out. Awesome. Number yeah. three. If you had your own billboard, what would you want your billboard to say? Learn. Learn. I thought I actually, thought nah, yeah, it'd say nature, but it'd be lowercase N A N A T and then uppercase U R and then <laughs> <Cool>. lowercase E. <laughs> Perfect. We are yeah. nature. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number four, if you had the chance to uh, work out with anyone in the world, they must be alive. Who would you work out with and why? Jeez. Einstein. <laughs> they must be alive. Oh, they got to be alive. <laughs> but we'll they take that one. <laughs> no, I, um, uh, it's a guy by the name of Sam Vachman. He's got one of the highest IQs that's ever been recorded. Uh, obviously, but he's, he's pretty, he's pretty deep layered with what he's doing. So Sam Fox. Cool. Awesome. Last question of the day. Uh, Brian, with, with everything that's going on with COVID-19 and kind of this season that we're in, what is something that you have learned during this season of your life that is going to make you a better person, coach, human being when it, when it's all said and done, what's something you're taking away now that's going to make you better when it's over? Um, I mean, look, I've been, I I changed my lifestyle like four years ago. Meaning I changed it in a way that it was unaffected by what has happened with everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. Like I have the same exact life I had this shelter in place and this thing happened. Our health is the most important thing we have. Although that's connected to fitness it's not this, it's, it's way more than that. It's a lifestyle and working out is not just a lifestyle. Like your lifestyle is what you take home with you, the values you have, the people you surround yourself with. And I think it, the most important thing that we have is our health and those who are involved in that circle of our health. Mm. Right. So it's really important to understand that if you're unhappy with any of it, if you're confused with any of it, it is on your shoulders to change that. And you have way more power than you actually think you have. Mm-hmm. And it just may not be involved in things that 
include money, power, fame, et cetera, et cetera. These are just things that might be attached to those things. But if you're a shitty person, you can still have any one of those things, mm-hmm. right? And you're just going to be a shittier person with those things. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, you know, I mean, I've seen this for so long and it's like, none of it matters anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the entire financial system collapsed, you realize we'd all be equal. Yeah. We, well, that's because we all are equal. Absolutely. So when the bear comes around the fucking corner, everybody's equal. Oh, yeah. Man, and well and this is like, start figuring out what you want out of this ride because it's the only one we, we really know that we have. Mm-hmm. So get it dialed in, start dialing it in now. And I mean, I, I hope that, you know, maybe people can get, you know, if people take the time to do this, this four weeks of nasal breathing and stuff, they'll, they'll start to lead into, lead into a road that they didn't realize was there and start to see some things that they didn't realize are there. And I'm not asking for people to find what I found. I'm asking them to find what they can find, Very cool. you know, and that, that, I think that's the most important thing is get, get out of this whole thing is, you know, what you can find out. of it. Well said, man, you gave me goosebumps, Brian. That's awesome. If uh, somebody wants to follow you, get a book, get in touch with what's, what you have going on. Where can I point them? Uh, powerspeedendurance.com. And then all, I'm basically on Instagram. That's it. That's all I've got time for. Uh, sometimes is, and that's at underscore Brian McKenzie. Awesome. Brian, thanks for taking the time. Guys, if you enjoyed the podcast, tag Brian and myself on Instagram. Give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, Thank you for sticking by and listening thus far. Hope you guys got something out of it. We'll see you next week for another episode of the My Fit Podcast.